Come on, give God a round of applause. Thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, whether you're joining us from uh, or Prosper Campus or Garland, whether you're joining us from Louisville, Dallas, whether you're joining us in our part of our global community, thanks for being here on today. Uh, we started a sermon series last week, and um, we want to continue it this week. On your way out today at all our campuses and online, you're going to get a big poster because... We really, 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 really want you to make sure that you get these habits that we're talking about uh, on last week. And so even for those of you in the lobby, you get one too. Uh, everybody, I want you to just remind yourselves of what we talked about last week. So we're going to pull it up on the screen here in a minute and, um, and walk through it. So here's what we said. There are four daily habits and four weekly habits that we all should be pursuing as we seek to love God with all our hearts, love our neighbors as ourselves, as we seek to embrace the presence of God and resist the pull of the world. We're suggesting, ladies and gentlemen, that there are four habits uh, that we want you to embrace. Now, the problem with it is that oftentimes the habits of the world and the habits of the church look just alike. And we think that that's problematic, which is why we want to address it. So if you heard the sermon last week and it fell on good soil, I, I just want to get a test as to how many good soils are in the house and are online and are in the lobby and are at our campus. So I need you to raise both hands real high. If this week, at least four days out of the week, or three, I'll give you three, three days out of the week, you went scripture before phone. If that was you, put your hands up. Let me see. Come on, OCC. Thank you for not lying, some of you. I appreciate it. Uh, three times. Come on, put your hands together for that. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're going to remind you of this every week, all right? So there are four things you should be doing every day, and then four things you should be doing every week. Every day, you should be kneeling in prayer three times a day. You should be eating one meal with others. It's the only way you learn to love your neighbors. You should have one hour with your phone off. You will be all right. You will see that you're an addict, and you will start twitching, but it means you're moving in the right direction because you're trying to model the way and leave your phone off, okay? And then the last one is you will not touch your phone until you go to the scriptures. And so you need to have a Bible right beside your bed and uh, prepare yourself for that, all right, everybody? And then uh, weekly, what we're trying to pull off, different habits, is this. Every, every week now, we're trying to go one hour of conversation with a friend. I know you introverts are like, you don't get it, Pastor. That's going to wipe me out for the whole week. If I spend one hour talking to somebody, it's going to wipe me out. Uh, that's part of growing up in Christ. You have to learn to love your neighbor. The only way you're going to know them is if you talk to them. So then after that, you ought to curate media for, to four hours a week. This is huge because we become the stories we watch and listen to. Whatever, And so the social media companies are driving the narrative of your life. So instead of let them do it, you do it and curate it toward the things of God. Number three, we want you to fast from something for 24 hours. You cannot, somebody asked me, last, can I fast from my kids? No, you can't fast from your kids for 20. <laughs> By the way, y'all ask some crazy questions, okay? Okay. Can I fast from my spouse for 24? No. Anyways, um, 
You want to fast from, how about sugar? This week you're going to fast from anything that's not from the ground. The whole church is doing it. If you call this your home, you ought to fast from. What you're fasting from is chicken, <laughs> pork, beef, for those of you who are fancy, steak. All of that, you fast more. If it comes from the ground, you can eat it. If it doesn't, you can't eat it. We usually do it for three weeks. We're only doing it for one week. And then next week is poverty week, the one I'm most excited about because none of y'all can handle poverty week. But we're running into it. Get used to it. This week when you're going to take a shower, just put one foot in there with the cold water because you have to take a full shower. One, only one. You can do it. I know you can. One cold shower this week, next week, not, not this week, next week. So just, no, not the whole week, just one shower. You're trying to get me distracted off my sermon already. I'm going to stay focused. And then the last one is a Sabbath, making sure you have time to rest. Those are just habits so that we look differently than the rest of the world. But you remember, God doesn't love you because of these habits. You can't earn his favor because of these habits. Because he loves you so much, you want to orient your life around the things of God. So anyways, um, we're going to jump into a word for today. That was last week's word. Now we're going to jump into a word for today. And do I have a word for you? Praise the Lord. Uh, let's pray and let's jump in. Father, will you guide us now, please? Prepare every heart. Um, may, you, may your word fall on good soil. May every heart be good soil today. No matter where we are, remove all the distractions so we can hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, um, I look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Amen. he's going to offend you today. I'm not done. I'm not done. But neighbor, it's not him. It's the word. Ah. All right, we're going to look at Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, and we're going to look at verse 22 to 24, and then we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'm not asking you to stand for 1 Samuel chapter 3, it would be too long. So we're only going to stand for 22, 23, and 24, three verses is all we're standing for, and, uh, and let's see what God has to say to us today. Will you please stand and let's read the word of God. Lord, have mercy. Put your seatbelts on. Now, everybody look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. I, need you to read. I need you to read. There we go. Here we go. All campuses. If you're in the lobby, don't be checking out. Don't be looking in the courtyard. I need you to read the words. Everybody, here we go. Read it with me. And behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem. Stop right there. What he's suggesting is Paul um, has been called to preach the gospel all over the world. And now he says that I have been bound. I cannot move. I have to do this. I heard from God and now I must respond to God. Paul is saying the title of this message is simple. It says, is that you, God? Here's why that's important. Because there are many voices trying to get attention. And you need to know which one is God's and which one is everybody else. Paul here says, I have been bound. I got to go to Jerusalem. Here we go. Here's the best part of it. Not what will happen, 
Ma, 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 ma. Can you please tell me why in Western Christianity, if, if God calls you, it's always up and to the right. When God calls you, it's always lavish. When God calls you, it's always bounty. When God calls you, when he gives you a word, it's always luxurious. I don't know what Bible y'all reading, but every time I read my Bible and God makes God's voices heard, it usually is something you don't want to do. So be careful of the voices you're listening to that always want you to have more pressed down, shaken together, running over. Ain't he good? He good all the time and all that. Be careful of the voices you listen to. Because watch what the word of God says next. You would say this ain't God. But watch what he says. He says, first of all, not knowing what will happen to me there. Well, Paul, what might happen to you there? Next verse. Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and The problem with Western Christianity is it always is in favor of you. Everything that you say God tells you is never, hey, I want you to go to China, and when you get there, you're going to suffer, they're going to put you in jail, and then you're going to die. Your friends will talk you out of that. And they say, that can't be God. He only wants the best for you. Let me help you out. Don't you ever forget this. The flesh always wants you to benefit at everybody else's expense. Come on over here. The spirit mm, always benefits others at your expense. So be careful when you call in the work of the spirit, the devil, and the work of the devil, the spirit. Uh -huh. This ain't popular. I told you you're going to be offended. This ain't popular today. Because very few people want to tell you that when you do it God's way, you're going to get crushed. Let me tell you what Chuck Swindoll, that pastor's down the road, here's what he says. He says, when God's getting ready to use a man greatly, he first crushes him deeply. But you don't want the crushing, you just want the blessing. You just want God to say, give me more, and you want to do it without any pain. Now, the only way God can trust you is if he allows you to go through something when you realize he's the only one you got. It's the way he works. But for some reason, we, guys like me in my position and me, is selling you a gospel that says God only wants to bless you and you never get hurt. Your emotions never get tarnished. You never feel any kind of pain. Well, the higher up you go, the more pain you're going to feel. If ain't nobody tell you that lately, let me tell you, based on the authority of the scriptures, that Paul says, I, I, I'm going to go and I'm going to share the gospel, but here's what awaits me. I know it's coming and I'm still going. Afflictions. Jail awaits me. Whipping awaits me. I know it's coming and I'm still going. Well, what, what in the world drives Paul? Next verse. Watch it, watch, watch, watch it. 
but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to my... You see, Paul couldn't live in Western Christianity because you were saying, Paul, what is wrong with you? Come on, Paul, what do you mean you don't consider your life as dear? Of any account as dear to myself. There's something bigger than Paul. There's something more significant than Paul that Western Christianity has to embrace. We've had peace for a long time. You don't know that peace is going to continue to reign. Here we go. So that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel. In other words, the gospel was so significant to Paul, even if it means him dying to get it to somebody else, that was significant enough to him. He must know another gospel that we don't know because most of us are not ready to say that about the gospel of American Christianity. There must be a problem because Paul says, this good news is so good, I can't stand it for one more person not to know about it. And yet still for us, we can't even talk to the people in the cubicle next door. That's inconvenient. We don't want to be, we don't want to be unpopular, so we wouldn't do that. That's not the Paul that I know. That's not the gospel he's doing. Because God, what he's doing saying, hey man, if it costs my life, here we go. Because it's so significant. It changes lives that much. And so, when you're getting ready to hear the voice of God, what I want to know is, make sure it's God. And not somebody that just wants to make you happy. Because most of us are driven by happiness, not by God's voice. Lord, have mercy. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you he was going to offend you. Not him. But the word. You may be seated. Lord, have mercy. Uh-huh. Yeah. We got a long way to go today. I see it. I see it in how you sat down. You sat down slowly. Usually, <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually, you'd be like, yeah, pastor, that's a good word. I need you to sit down. Mm. Today, this you. Do I want to leave or sit down? <laughs> Which one should I do? <laughs> um, um, um. Here's the overarching message, the thesis of all I want you to remember today. Here we go. It says something like this. When God's voice, because of what God's voice, because of God's voice in your life, you can make the right decisions for the rest of your life. This is huge. When you can hear God's voice clearly, you will make the right decisions in your life. When you don't even know what God's voice sounds like, no wonder we have so many regrets in our life. So I want you to say it with me twice so you get it. Everybody together, if you're in the atrium, whatever campus you are, come on with me. Because of God's in your life, you can make right decisions for the... One more time. Because of God's in your life, you can make right decisions for the... You got it. You got it. You got it. Now, um, if you want to know how to hear God's voice, God, is that you? If you want to know, then one of the things you have to discern is you've got to realize that God, just like you have general revelation, 
you have specific revelation. Um, uh, in theology, they teach you, um, God, God has revealed something generally, and then every now and again, he will reveal something specifically to you. Uh, one word is called the logos, the other is called the rhema. Logos is general, rhema is specific. In, in, in the Word of God, when you want to hear God's voice, there is a general voice of God which answers more than 90% of all the questions you want answered. And then there is the specific voice of God customized to you, which is about 5 to 8% of where that has not yet been revealed in the general voice of God. Now, the problem with most Christians is... Everybody want to hear the specific voice who don't even want to spend time with the general voice of God. Everybody want God to tell them something customized for them, but they don't want to read God's word for themselves to know what God has generally said about their situation. The challenge with that is, why would a loving God want to give you something specific when you have shown him that you don't want to spend time with him? But what we have today is a group of Christians that because we are so intoxicated with ourselves, we walk around telling everybody that God called me to do this. He said I should do this. He said this the way I should go. I, and then I ask the question, when last have you spent time with him? And then you say, well, I, 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 I spend time with God when I'm jogging. I spend time with God when I'm walking. I spend time with God. And I said, I know, but when, I, when do you spend time around his word? Well, I don't need his word because he talks to me personally. So you mean to tell me you have no place where you and Jesus hang out, no place, but he loves you so much, he customizes his word for you, even though you've neglected his general word, he customizes it for you. Let me tell you how God works in the, in the Bible. Whenever somebody don't spend time with him, it's because he wants to get your attention so you can spend time with him. So if he's going, you don't want God talking to you. When you don't spend time with him. Hey, Apostle Paul, come here. Come here, Paul. What happened when you, when you didn't even know God, you're trying to kill Christians, and, and, and he showed up in your life? He would say, you don't want that because it scared the bejeebus out of me when he showed up. Why is it that we have gotten used to wanting to hear specific things when we have ignored his general word? Why? Why? Because we are under, we're on the tutelage that tells you, you don't need to be a self-feeder. You just need to want to discern God's voice for you, for now, for what you want. In other words, uh, many of you brothers, sisters in, in your little fancy homes, you, you, got, you got an entertainment room. And in that entertainment room is a big old TV. Some of you got um, a big old uh, a projector, some of you got, I mean, it's just fancy. And when you're watching a game, you don't just watch one game. You got to know what's going on in a couple other games too. So what many of you do is you set your whole TV up. There's a throne room for you, not God, for you. There's a throne room. And then you get to put on display what you worship. So then there's a big old screen that has your deal, and then you have some smaller screens that have other games. 
So if you're a, if you're a Kansas City fan, you, you got the Kansas City Chiefs playing, and then and then you got games like the Cowboys games over there, and you got like 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 the Buccaneers game over here, and, and you watching the big screen because that's what matters most to you. Every now and again, when something exciting shows up, you go to the cowboy game and you say, let me put this bigger now because I need to know what's happening right now. And then as soon as you're done, then you go, go small again and it goes small in the little corner and then you go back to your life. Can I show you what you do with God? You got your life on the big screen and then you got a little, little box about this big with God. And then, and then when the stuff on the big screen ain't going right, then you want to go to God and say, enlarge, enlarge, make big, make big, so you can see. And then you say, God, will you please come enter into my life because I need you now. And as soon as you get what you want, then you go, go small. And you bring him down to a little small level because the truth of the matter is you don't want God to be in control of all of your life. You just want to use God when it's convenient and your life ain't going the way you want it to go. In other words, you only want to hear God's voice when stuff ain't right in your life. I wonder how God feels about that. That you only want him at your convenience. You don't want to have a relationship with him. That is the reason why you spend all this money getting all this fancy house and getting this entertainment room where you can bring all your friends and you can worship the, whatever you love to worship together. And there is no, there is not even a chair for God. Not even a chair where you say, God, this is our meeting. By the way, it's the same God that gave you the money to have what you got. But you can't afford a chair. Oh, that chair is too expensive. Can you put a rug? Put a rug down there. So you and Jesus can help. But you can't do that because you only care about what's in it for me now. So we have general revelation. Let me show you how he speaks in other areas. Pick it up for me and let's show you. Let me show you five areas in which he speaks to the Bible, the Logos, and the Rainbow Word. Then he speaks to his still small voice where everything has to be quiet so you can hear him speak. Then he speaks to peace. Oh, God, let me talk about peace. He speaks to peace. But many of you will mess peace up. Because we have a tendency to be so selfish, we only want what we want. Whenever you want something, you're going to feel a peace about it because it's what you want. That ain't God's voice. That's your own voice that's lusting after the thing that you want. But you can convince yourself, man, I just feel a peace about this decision. I mean, I've never had a $1.5 million home, and I just feel a peace about it. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And then you get, then you get, quick, you get quickened by this... And if it's real good and the house got lots of amenities around it that, that other houses don't have, then you do a step. <laughs> Fooling yourself that it's the spirit when it's only the satisfaction of your lust. And you call that peace. When you, when you find a dude and you've been looking for a long time, Lord have mercy, singles, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And you, and you find, and you be like, good God Almighty, he fine. 
and you overlook that he's been divorced eight times. The left side of whatever sanctuary you're at, Plano, Louisville, got the left side, this side, right? This side. <laughs> when you ignore all the signs, but you say you have peace because your clock is ticking. I got to go. Next one. That's enough. Next one. Uh, through circumstance. Circumstance might mean uh, dreams. It might mean uh, an impression that you get from the Spirit of God. It might mean when he orders things. Uh, that's that. And then the last one is, is through people. That's when God uses people to confirm and tell you what God has said. Those are all general ones. That's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about, turn the page over now. I want to talk about why you don't hear from God. There are three reasons. Three reasons. Um, there are three competing voices that make us not hear God's voice. I don't want to lay them off you. Number one is the voice of pollution. The voice of pollution. Ah. In other words, there are three areas of pollution. Number one is sin. Number two are wounds. And number three are bitterness and unforgiveness. All three of those can hinder you from hearing God's voice. When you have pollution in your life, you can't hear God's voice. Do you ever, are you, aren't you ever amazed at how somebody can say, oh yeah, God told me. I say, hold on, what do you mean God told But you're shocking, you're living together with somebody who you ain't married to. God tell you you shouldn't do that, but you want him to specifically talk to you about your situation and ignore the sin that the culture has says you shouldn't do, but you don't feel it's that bad, even though the Bible says it's real bad, but you now want to say, God speaks to me in the midst of my mess. Now, no, 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 no. I'm not condemning you. I'm just reminding you that you have gotten so used to it that you forget that it offends God. I'm not saying, oh, you, you're bad. No. I'm saying don't let the culture normalize what God has called sin. That's all. And by the way, in a couple of weeks, we're going to marry you for free. And I call you, if you're living together with somebody, look at them right now and say, hey, he's going to marry us for free. Let's do it right now. Praise the Lord. He's not going to condemn you. He's going to give you a path to restoration. <laughs> By the way, uh, if you live with somebody right now, all the people who just clap, let me go to their sin. Because <laughs> y'all looking like it's only them that's sinning. There are a lot of you in here who ain't, never, who ain't never tithed in your life. Hey, hey, those of you who they just clap, listen to how silent it gets right now. Come here. <laughs> it's going to get real. You're going to hear a pin drop. They ain't tithed their life. Here's why. Because every time they get paid, they'll be like, well, I don't have enough. Every time they get paid, well, they're like, well, maybe next month. And like, they say, well, you know what, God, here go $100. Take this $100. Right? You're good. Uh, and then they brag about, oh, yeah, I just gave to the Lord. I just gave to the Lord. I just, uh, many people don't give, but I gave. To, I, there go you go, dog. I gave 100 Gave you a bill. Hey. <laughs> and God's looking at you like, for real? Is that what we want to talk about today? The fact that I gave you it all, sustain you every day, 
blessed you with the opportunity, keep, kept you in your right mind so you have an education so that you could get the job. And then this is what you said? This is how you tell me thank you. And, you, and what you've done is you've, you've, you've become so good at justifying why it's okay for you to live the way you live and not honor God with your resources that you have now made it normal that it don't bother you no more, even though the Spirit of God is convicting you every day, but you can't hear him no more because you have turned him down. Do you see what I'm saying? Couples who are living together. Do you see how quiet now? You see how quiet now? They don't want to talk about that because when you talk about that, they say, you're messing with my money. And since we worship money, we don't want nobody talking about money. Hold on, this section right here, they're looking at me like, you done lost your mind. <laughs> it's called pollution. How you want God to speak to you when you live in raggedy. Everything wrong with sin, but sin ain't bad because Christ died for it. The issue is when you and I live in it and pretend it ain't that bad. That's the issue. The issue ain't the issue. The issue ain't sin. The issue is when you have normalized it and unrepentant about it. Jesus, preach, Pastor. Preach today. Preach on today. Let me get one more because some of you are still looking at me crazy. And I'm going to lose about four of you on this one too. I'm going to lose about four of you on this one, on this one, on this one, on this one. That's why some of you. You ever notice how you change when God promotes you? You got issues you deal, but all of a sudden you change. You ever notice people that do that? They change. God says, all right, I'm going to give you a promotion. You used to be a VP. Now I'm going to make you a senior VP. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Now I got to, t and now I got to, hey, 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 hey. And you're getting all excited about it. But then you flip on God. He promoted you. First of all, he promoted you regular. You used to go, hey, guys, I just want just to make sure, you know, you're doing well. Is there anything I can do? That's how you were, which is why they saw you and gave you the promotion. Now you go into the SVP office and, and your CEO call you in, and this is how you, you start changing your talk. Then you're going, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, this, no, 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 no. Shh, shh. Good morning, everybody. Despite the vicissitudes of our lives this morning, I would... Who are you? That ain't why they promoted you. They promoted you because you're humble, because you didn't care, because you just wanted to help people. All of a sudden, you move on up, and the humility is gone, and the arrogance is now there, and you're trying to prove yourself. Well, you didn't prove yourself to get there. God elevated you there. You were just trying to help folk. Don't tell me you hear God's voice with your arrogant self. Because he loves the humble. The person that says, not me, that will be done. Number two. No, 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 no. Can't go number two yet. Isaiah chapter six, go to verse eight first. Come on. No, verse eight, verse eight, verse eight. Watch it. Don't miss this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord. Then I heard the, then I heard the, of the Lord. Whom shall I send and who will go for? Here's a whole different theological discussion. I'll leave it alone for now. And I said, here I am, send but what do you have to do before you hear the voice? Go back to the verse about five. Yeah, here we go. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I'm a man of unclean. And I live among a people of unclean. 
for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. In other words, I see God, and then I see how, how, how wicked I am because my sin overcomes me when I'm in the presence of the living God. What happened next? Next verse. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, and which he had taken from the altar holiness with tongues. Next verse. He touched my mouth with it and said, behold, here we go, this has touched your lips. Here we go, everybody. And your is taken away and your is forgiven. That's verse 7. Now look at verse 8. Once you deal with the sin issue, verse number 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord. What we want to do is put verse 8 in verse 4 and hear from God with all kind of raggediness going on. And he said, no, 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 you got to clean up the raggedy so you can hear clearly from me. Because purity leads to clarity. The reason purity leads to clarity and the reason, you, you ever thought about this? <laughs> what I'm going to say now is going to tick somebody off. I haven't said this in any other service. Have you ever thought about, it's only because Mary was pure, why God could say, the son of man is going to be born through you. Can you imagine if Mary was sleeping around? Then everybody can say, oh, no, that's my dude right there. 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 I wonder today. Jesus. <laughs> Purity leads to, say it with me, clarity. Don't forget it. You want to hear the voice of God? You got to be pure. Next one. Number two, distractions. You got to get rid of the voices of distractions. Uh, uh, hey, Mary and Martha, you're doing too much. You're too busy. That's why you can't have time to spend with me. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. If you go to the Cowboys Stadium and uh, you're in Jerry's World and there's a game on, the stadium is packed, somebody scored a touchdown. If somebody's four seats away from you, they can't hear what you got to say. If you clear that whole stadium and then you're on one side of the end zone and the other person's on the other side in the stands and you say, what's up? They can hear you clear as day. You know why? Because there are no distractions. The problem with our current culture is there are too many distractions. You don't have a chair for yourself. You don't have a place where it's just you and God. And so, ladies and gentlemen, and so, since you don't have a chair, When God comes calling, <laughs> God's calling, and because you're so busy doing everything else, you don't even see that he's calling. You don't even hear the phone ringing. You don't even know that it's God. 
So all of a sudden, you're busy doing what you do. You in your, you're in your entertainment room. You're in your dining room. You're in your kitchen. You spend so much money on that kitchen. You got customized knives. You got brand new tea. Uh, 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 what's that thing called? Your refrigerator. Can you just punch the buttons in? This is what I heard. I don't have one of these. But you go beep, 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 beep. It sends it to Whole Foods. Whole Foods hires it. Whole Foods then send it to your house. You don't have to do nothing. And it show up in your house. And you'll be like, God, who needs God when everything is at my fingertips? By the way, let me make something really clear. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But everything wrong with it if you don't have time for God. Because the one who has blessed you with it is being ignored. You've been so distracted by your own wealth that it's choking your spiritual life to death. He's calling, and you don't even know it. But here's what I love about God. Is there anybody else in there that's me that's gl glad that God has call waiting? <laughs> Is there anybody in here glad that when, you, when God calls, if you hang up on him, he'll call you back? Is there anybody in here that can testify that I hung up on God four times and he called me on the fifth time? Because when he wants you to hear his voice, he's going, he's going to keep calling. You can keep ignoring him, but he's going to keep calling until you do. Because he doesn't want you to be distracted by other voices. He wants you to know his voice. Let me, let me remind you of something real quick. Um, we're going to talk about this more next week. His sheep know his voice. But listen, listen. Why does his sheep know his voice? Because of a relationship. Because you hang out with a shepherd all day long. When another shepherd come with his sheep and you're crossing each other, you can cross all you want, you can ingle mingle all you want. When the shepherd says, this is where we're going, every one of his sheep, because of relationship, know when to go when the shepherd calls. The reason you're confused with other voices is because you don't have a relationship with the shepherd. Last one. Last one says... Pollution, distraction, voices that compete with God's voice. Do you notice how much we do this? We compete with God's voice. Here's how it goes. It goes like this. It says, it says um, 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 your friends going to compete with God's voice. Your family is going to compete with God's voice. The world, the flesh, and the devil is going to compete with God's voice. That's why for Peter, uh, God says, hey, Peter, I'm going to the cross. To which Peter says, uh-uh, not on my watch you ain't going to no cross. God, we, we got this. We're going to rule the world, me and you. To which God then says, fool, get thee behind me. Because hey, hey, this ain't nothing but the devil using you to try and get me off of what God's called me to do. Many of you have friends. Job, come here, Job. Some of you have friends. Like Job. And Job's family member says, Job's family member says, hey, why don't you just curse God? That good God couldn't do this to all. Just curse him and get out of here. And say, God, you know, I can do bad all by myself. And he had to, Job had to know, listen, he gives. That's what most of us forget. Everything you got, he the one that gave it to you. And most of us forget the number two thing. You're just a steward. You're not an owner. The problem is when we become owners, then we want to demand that God do what we want to do because we think we're owners. God said, no, the reason you can't hear me is because you think you own everything. You don't. I own it. So therefore, I can do what I please. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there's three distractions. This is why you don't hear it. Pollution, distraction, and competition. So then how do you hear God's voice, Pastor? First Samuel chapter 3 tells us there are three things. Go to verse 3 of chapter 3. You should read this verse sometimes. It's fast. The whole book all the way to 1 through 10. It's what he says in verse 3. Samuel is hanging out. His mama Hannah said, hey, man, um, you're the Lord's. Gives him to Eli. Now they're hanging out in the temple. By the way, if God is calling 12-year-old boys and having them hang out to give him a purpose and a call on their lives, why have we lowered our kids to only being called to football and only being called to basketball and only being called to everything else, but not the work of God? But none of us even dare to sing that because we say, oh, no, 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 no. And here is the danger. There's no money in God, which reveals our motives. That's not my point, so let's move on. He says, and the, everybody say lamp. Lamp of God has not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying where? Down in the temple of, God, temple of the Lord, where the ark of, the, of God was. Three things that tell you how to enjoy the voice of God. Number one is the lamp, number two is the temple, and number three is the ark. Don't miss them. They give you the solution to how you hear from God. Most people don't realize that before God speaks, you have to ready the environment for God to speak. You just want to show. That's why some of you come in church and the worship leader got to go two songs deep before you're ready to worship. Because you didn't come in here with, a, with, a, with, with preparation, cannot wait to hear from God. So now they got to they gotta move. Come on, everybody, let's pray. Come on, everybody. Ain't there anybody in there who loves the Lord? Is there anybody in there that never loves the Lord? Yes, 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 good. They got to motivate you because you don't come prepared to hear the voice of God. They got to pump you up. Like, like the, pra- the praise team, some cheerleaders. Come on, everybody, let's praise the Lord. What the heck is wrong with y'all? <laughs> Jada, go say to me, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, I got to go. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, uh, so let's lay out the three of them. Let's lay out the three now. Number one, three ways. Number one, the lamp, which means the word, which means now you got to get in the word. The ark, which means God's presence. So now you've got to enjoy his presence through worship. And then the temple means the house of God. In other words, there are some things you'll do in the temple that it will not do when you're at your house. So fill in your notes now. Bring, 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 bring the handout out and let's fill in the notes. So here we go. The three areas that he wants us to work through are one, he wants us to be in his word. Number two, release all of them. Number two, he wants us to spend time in his presence and then he wants to get planned in his church. Let me show you what he means. He says, when God's going to call you, he says, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to have a place where we can hang out. So, ladies and gentlemen, I need you to go. I've, to, I've preached this to you already. But four years ago, I want you to have a place. I want, if I come to your house tomorrow, I want to see a chair where I say, hey, where do you spend time with God? And I want to see the chair that you spend time daily with him. If you don't have time or if you don't have resources to find a place where you hang out with God, then, ladies and gentlemen, it speaks volumes about your relationship with God. So number one, you need to have a time. Number two, the ark. There was worship wherever he was. So now you have to have a little iPod that simply tells you, and you have a playlist that gets you in the environment to hear from God. 
So you should have your top 10 songs that just gets you right in the throne room of God. You need to have all of them. Nobody should come to And when you hear a song that you like, you need to add it to your playlist. So you say, oh, yeah, this, this, is, my pajam- this is my jam right here. This is where I get to hang out with God. So now you have the lamp. Now you have the ark. You're ready to worship him. And then he says, this one that threw me for a curveball. He says, and he was lying in the temple. What? So now he says, now he says that in a post-COVID culture, there is a place for the house of God. We live in a culture today, ladies and gentlemen, where people are now hating on God's bride. Notice what I said, God's bride. Jesus' bride is the church. And there are people now hating against the church. Now, don't get me wrong. Ain't no bride perfect except Jada. The rest of them flawed. I got to get me some honeydews. I don't know about you, but I know how to go right. <laughs> come on, come on. I got to go. Um, 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 um. Including the church. The church ain't perfect. We have, we have a standard of a holy God, and all of us must try to live up to this. So, of course, we're going to all be hypocrites. It's part of the deal. That's why we lean on Jesus so much. Because we all need him. I don't care who you are, and I don't care how perfect you think you are. The fact that you think you're perfect is a problem already, because that means you're arrogant, and you're sinning even when you're saying you're good. We all need Jesus. That's why we all fall short. That's why we fall on the grace of God. That being said, you don't talk bad about Jada. I wish you would talk bad about Jada. If I'm not walking in the spirit and you talk bad about Jada, we got to meet outside. (laughs) But if I'm walking in the spirit, I'm going to say, hey, man, let's have a conversation about that. Because you shouldn't be talking about my bride like that. If I feel that way about my bride, then how the heck you think God feels when you dogging out his bride? How do you think he feels when you're not fighting to protect his bride? Of course they've got people in there that are flawed, that act a plum fool, all that. I get that. What I'm saying is you better watch your mouth against God's bride. So here's what he says. He says, you better learn. If you're going to hear my voice, then you get to make sure you know the word and you have a regular doubt of it. Number two, you better make sure you're, you're, you're present in the presence of God, the ark, worshiping, and you better make sure you're rightly connected to his bride. Last thing that I'm done. Um, I didn't know this, but I went to Atlanta the other day and I usually fly American. I didn't fly American. This time I flew Delta. The problem with Delta is I don't have... I don't have privileges with Delta. I only have privileges with American. So a dude was traveling with me, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm in Atlanta coming back, couldn't find a flight with America, so we did, we did the Delta thing. Listen, 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 listen. So then my assistant called me and says, hey, there's a, you can go to the Delta club. I said, no, I'm American. I'm not Delta. They don't do that. The competition. They're, they're he said, but you got a card in your wallet that lets you in. I said, are you sure? I said, are you sure? Because don't embarrass me now going up in there. (laughs) She said, yes. It's called an Amex card. 
and it's silver. And you got it in your wallet. I said, I do? Let me see it. So I pulled it out, and for sure, it says American Express. I said, okay. So how you know they're going to let me in? She said, I promise you, it's going to let you in. So I go up there, and very gingerly, I said, um, I know I took the elevator and came up here, but um, is it? Is it okay if I cut my flight leaves within four hours? Is it okay if I, can I stay in here where the food is free and I just get in? <laughs> and she says, yeah, yeah, let me see your card. She said, this, this card. She said, oh, yeah, come on. Welcome, Dr. Edwards. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. I'll be like, oh. I said, but, but, but. I said, I said, hold on. I said, but I have one more problem. She said, what is that? I have one of our sound guys with me. No. With American, I can bring, but can I, does this card let me bring? Or does he have to take the walk of shame and go back downstairs? Because I'm staying. <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, if he doesn't get in, then I'm not getting. I'm not getting. Hey, I gotta go, I gotta go. I gotta go. So y'all, 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 she says, Absolutely, you have a plus one. Just bring them all in. And because of that, both me and my boy Marv all enjoyed a feast at Delta's expense. For free. Well, you pay for it with a credit card. You're somebody paying for it. But anyways, um, listen, listen, listen. When you go to the house of God, there are benefits that you don't get unless you're linked to the body of Jesus Christ, his bride. Be careful when you try to do it all on your own. Be careful when you try to do this thing called be intimate with God in isolation because the way he sets it up, intimacy has its benefits. You get to hear God clearly. Heavenly Father, Will you open this church's heart? Wherever there's sins, will you help us to confess them? Wherever there's distraction, will you help us to put on the noise-canceling headset of the Holy Spirit, get alone so we can hear from you? And whether we are attached to the body and effectively serving or not, will you help us to begin the process of getting attached so that the benefits accrued to those who love your bride will be ours? Teach one community to become intimate, we pray in Jesus' name.